Hi everybody, welcome once again to Church Online. My name is John and it is a pleasure to bring to you the Word of God today. If you have been following us, you will know that we are in the middle now or we've just kind of started a little bit with our Revelation series. And a couple of weeks ago, I did an overview of the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. So if you have not heard that already, I encourage you to go back to that because that will give you a broad uh, overview and outlook of what the seven letters to the seven churches are about. But today, we have landed on church two out of seven. And it is the church of Smyrna, right? A bit of hard to pronounce that church of Smyrna. And what I have titled my sermon today is this, The Suffering Saints, Pitiful But Powerful, The Church of Smyrna. Turn with me if you would, to Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. We're going to read the letter to the church of Smyrna. Now it says this, To the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These are the words of him who is first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of, these, of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer, I tell you. The devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you the victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. So a little bit of background information on the Church of Smyrna. The Church of Smyrna was three things. First of all, or the city of Smyrna rather, were three things. First of all, it was a commercial center because Smyrna was just off the Aegean Sea and they had large docks and harbors which huge vessels could actually dock. So it was a good route for ships coming by to stop in that area. And the Hermes River also runs through the town of Smyrna. So it was a big commercial hub. Lots of trading and economic activity was happening there. The second thing Smyrna was, it was also a cultural center. There were many temples dedicated to Greek and Roman gods. And it was even the birthplace, some of you who are a little bit nerdier will know this, birthplace of the poet Homer, the early Greek poet Homer who wrote the famous poem Iliad and Odyssey. I have no idea what is it about, but I think it's famous because my research showed that uh, showed that it was there. Some of the, one of the oldest poems that's still quoted today or still read today in modern literature. And the third thing, it was this, it was also a civic center. Now the city of Smyrna, they were kind, they were a little bit of, uh, you would call sucker ups to the Roman Empire. They were very friendly to the Roman Empire. In fact, they actually wanted to align themselves with the Caesar at that point of time. So much so that the Roman Empire actually made this place a, a civic center where a lot of Roman and government officials will go through this place. And 
it is here we find the church of Smyrna located. And Smyrna, interestingly, is also the only city out of the seven mentioned in these seven letters that still remains today. It is called Izmir in the nation of Turkey. Now, as we go into Scripture, it is, as all the other letters to the seven churches, Jesus first identifies Himself. In this letter, Jesus calls Himself the first and the last. This is shown in Isaiah 44 verse 6, where the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. This was perhaps to encourage the believers in Smyrna that across, even though they were filled with all these pagan gods, all these Greek and Roman gods, all these temples, God wanted to remind them that amongst all the other gods, He was the only one true God. He was the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the imminent one, the ever prominent one, the one who is and was and is to come, the one who cannot be taken by surprise, the one who has no competition, no comparison. This was Him who He was speaking to the believers in the church of Smyrna. He was the Alpha and the Omega. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall, but the Lord surpasses them all. The second thing he mentions about himself is that he was the one who died and rose again. Because I mentioned that the city of Smyrna, they were very friendly towards the Roman Empire and the Caesars because they thought that if they were to pucker up with them, they would actually get favour. But here Jesus was reminding the believers that Roman emperors, kings, governors, rulers, as much as powerful as they are, they were simply only mortals at the end of the day. They will rise and then they will die and that is the end of it. But Jesus, even though He died, He lives again. John 11 verse 25 says this, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes me will live even though they die. Now why did Jesus encourage or introduce Himself to the believers in this city in this manner? Because if you were to look at this letter, you will see that the church in Smyrna was actually really, really, really pitiful. Whole time, you know, they, they, they were going through so much. In fact, this is one of the few churches that Jesus doesn't actually scold. In the earlier Letter in Ephesus, you will remember that Jesus scolded them, admonished them that they have forgotten their first love. But here, the church of Smyrna, the believers, they are undergoing all kinds of oppression and difficulty. And I will quickly put it into three categories what they were suffering from. They were oppressed from three things one, persecution, two, poverty, and three, prison. Three Ps for you. Let's get into the first point. What were they suffering from? Persecution. Now, when we look at the church of Smyrna, the Bible says, or the letter here mentions that they were, being, they were slandered. 
they were accused by people who claimed they were Jews, but yet were a synagogue of Satan. They were misunderstood. Why? Because early in those days, Christians suffered a lot of misunderstandings and false accusations. They were accused of cannibalism because of partaking in the Lord's Supper. Because you know, Jesus said, if you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will have eternal life and fellowship with me. So the people misunderstood that. They were also misunderstood as or accused of being uh, sexually immoral because the Christians would often greet each other with a holy kiss or participate in what they call love feasts. Now, these were not in any way uh, carnal or fleshly, but they were, they were misunderstood, taken out of context by the Jews around them. And they were also accused of being divisive or to be treasonous because they would not bow down to the Roman emperor. Back then, the Roman emperor didn't expect to just be revered as a king. He had to be worshipped as a god. And many of the Christians did not want to do that. So they suffered as a result of it. But if you look at this letter really closely, Jesus does not actually promise them that He will take their suffering away. Even though, based on human logic, you would think that, hey God, if you cared, you will make us stop suffering. But what does Scripture say about Jesus? Isaiah 53 verse 3 says this, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, this is Jesus. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we helped them, we helped him in low esteem. Hebrews 4, verse 15 itself mentioned this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was the God who humbled himself from the high place to the earth. He walked among us. He walked, he lived like we did, ate like we did, and suffered like we did. He was a man who was familiar with pain and suffering. And he is a God that sympathizes and empathizes with it. In fact, he doesn't actually tell the church of Smyrna that he will remove all of this, but he encourages them to press on. Now, this will mess with some of us because we would think that, God, if you really cared for me, why don't you remove this pain from me? Why don't you remove this suffering from me? Give me an easy life. But how many of you know that God is not interested in our comfort? He's more concerned about our character. He wants to refine our faith like gold and gold has to be subject to heat. If you read 1 Peter 1 verse 6 to 7, and if, we, if you know our church theme, our church theme is together we overcome. And overcoming suggests that there are certain things that we need to overcome. Even Jesus, He was a man who was known, who had known suffering. I am thinking of the Garden of Gethsemane. Before He was going to the cross, He was so stressed to the point where the Bible said He actually sweated blood. And He said, Lord, if it's Your will, please take this cup away from me, if you will, but yet not my will, but your will be done. My friends, my family, 
as Christians in this world, we are not free from suffering. We are not free from oppression and we are not free from persecution. Persecution can come in every any kind of form. I thank God that we are not so severely persecuted like other parts in the world. But in our everyday life, we could face pressure and persecution from different kinds. Maybe from our family. Some of us, we are rejected by our family because we choose to embrace the Christian faith. I remember when I first became a Christian in my early days and then later on deciding to become a pastor, I was actually the scorn of my extended family because they thought that, you know, who is this guy? Why does he want to, you know, he's Chinese and Chinese people are Buddhists. You know, West, Christianity is for the West. They don't realize that the Christian religion, Jesus is actually a religion from the East, but they had this mindset where they thought, I wanted to reject my Chinese or my Eastern heritage to embrace a Western worldview. And for some of us, we face persecution or misunderstanding from our friends, from our colleagues. I remember many times I would be misunderstood because they would make fun of me. They would say, oh, so now you can't get married because you're a pastor or, oh no, you can't have, you know, you can't do this. You're going to be poor. You're not supposed to do all that. And many of us go through these different things. Maybe we get ridiculed by even our colleagues or bosses because we want to dedicate some time to church and not just work or, you know, we actually make it a point to go to church on Sundays. All this stuff, we will get face all kinds of persecution, misunderstandings, slanders. I don't know what you are going through, but I want you to know that God knows and God is encouraging us to keep on keeping on. The second thing that the church here faced, the church of Smyrna, was they had oppression from poverty. Now, despite being in a huge economic hub, the church in Smyrna was poor. And it could be the same for us Christians, for some of us here, that we could be living in a hustle and bustle in a big city like KL, but yet we are not as well off as we want to be. Now, I don't actually, um, I, you know, for me, the, the closest time to me actually experiencing poverty or any form is I remember as a student, you know, you had to really save and all that. You can't just buy things. You know, you had to live on a very small budget and all that. And I thought back then, wow, that was really struggling. I was so poor. But last, last year, at the end of um, the year, I got together the youth of our church and we actually did a, instead of celebrating Christmas by having a big event and all that because we couldn't for the lockdown and because of lockdown and the pandemic, we actually decided we would pull together some money and we would buy some essentials for some people or some communities who were uh, the B40s as we would call it. And I heard reports from the team that you know when we send these food items and parcels to the people, some of them just at the sight of eggs, they were moved to tears because they were like, wow, we would not have gotten this on our own. And this one family was even so um, touched that she received a tin of Jacob's biscuits. And she actually said this, I have never eaten Jacob's cream crackers in my whole life. 
And the reality is this, that poverty exists. And for some of us, we think we are poor because, oh, I can't afford a new car or I can't buy a new phone or I can't go on a new holiday. But the reality is this, that there are many people out there, they are struggling. And there are many people even among our midst are also struggling. But here's the thing. Jesus does not promise health and wealth. Now, God blesses, but God's blessing doesn't always come in a form that we understand or expect. And it is wrong for us to think that just because I worship God or just because I follow Jesus, I would get riches and I will be healthy for the rest of my life. No, there will be times in our life where we suffer lack and there will be times in our life where we will enjoy gain. But here is the key. Is God the God of our promised land or is He also God in the desert place? Is He God on the mountain high and is He God in the valley low? In fact, Jesus Himself said this in Luke 9, 58. What did He say? When a man came up to Jesus and said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. What did Jesus say to him in Luke 9, 58? He said this, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus, as a man himself, was not rich. He was God, the God of the universe. Yet he humbled himself to come and live as a lowly human being, a simple carpenter going from place to place, even in his ministry. He did not get to stay in luxury hotels or inns or he did not have, you know, uh, a, a nice carriage to travel in. He lived a life and he walked a life of, dare I say, poverty. So there are times in our life where we would face that. We would be challenged by that. Luke 6 verse 20, 21, Jesus himself said this, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. The third oppression that this church faced was the oppression or danger of prison. Prison. Now, prison was a, was a very common place or imprisonment was a very common thing for the early apostles. Paul was in prison. Peter was in prison. John himself, the apostle who wrote the book of Revelations, was in prison in the island of Patmos. And that's where he wrote the book of Revelation or the letters to the seven churches as well. But for many of us, we won't understand the concept of being in prison. And we praise God for that. But for the reality of many other believers in the world, in nations like Afghanistan, North Korea, Iran, and all this... I could, you know, some regions in, in Africa, I could say, I could go on and on. Being a Christian is actually a danger to one's life because they, you could become imprisoned as a result of that. Now, I don't know whether you think of or you're familiar with the concept of being imprisoned. Some of us, we have gone through quarantine because of the pandemic and we think that's imprisonment. 
But the reality is, yes, it is a form of imprisonment, but at home, you still have your own furniture, you have the internet, you have entertainment, and you're still somewhat privileged, even though you can't go out. But prisons, if you watch those documentaries, some of them are just like rooms with concrete as a, for a bed. And some of them have just holes for toilets in the same place where you would sleep. Prison was an undesirable place. Very undesirable but yet it was very common. It was so common to the point that in Hebrews 13 verse 3, as the author of Hebrews writes, he mentions prison so nonchalantly or offhandedly as if it's a normal thing. He says this, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who mistreated you as if you yourselves were suffering. The reality is as a Christian, if we really were to stand up for our faith, sometimes that could lead us into trouble and danger. And for some, tr some people, trouble or danger could be, I don't get a promotion, I don't get a girl I like, or I get rejected by my family. In fact, I've even heard of some families where they tell the son or daughter, I'm writing you out of the will if you become a Christian. Yeah, that, those are all forms of persecution. But for many other people, they literally face life and death and prison for their faith. And I thank God we don't live in an environment that has come to that point and I hope it will never come to that point. But the reality is, will we stand for our faith? If there was a gun pointed at you right now and, it says, and the person behind the trigger says, if you don't renounce Christ right now, I'm going to shoot you. What will you do? I myself would not know how I'll respond. But yet there are so many people in the world, great men and women of God, who walk in such revelation, who walk in such relationship with God, that they will willingly go through imprisonment for Him. One person that I want to talk about is this guy called Watchman Nee. Now, I don't know where you know this person called Watchman Nee. He's actually a, he was a uh, Christian, a Chinese believer. Watchman Nee lived about from 1903 to 1972. Now, he's actually accredited to be the person who first started the local church in China, those house churches. When the communist revolution happened and it, and it took over the country sometime in about um, the 50s or so, I believe. What happened was, Watchman Nee was an evangelist. He was a pastor. He was a missionary. But China started clamping down on the church and its evangelists and missionaries. And they arrested, falsely accused and arrested missionaries, pastors, believers, for their faith and Watchman Nee was one of them. He was in prison for about 20 odd years to the point where he actually was sick and when he was in prison, his wife had passed away. He was not even allowed to go to attend his wife's funeral and he died alone and cold in the prison cell. All he had to do to get out was to tell the Chinese authorities, I renounce Jesus Christ or I give up my faith. But he did not. How many of us 
would have that kind of faith. Now, I'm not asking us this question to make us feel condemned, but I hope we would actually do a bit of reflection right now. How serious are we standing up for the things of God? We may never face imprisonment, but we sometimes will face ridicule from our friends. We will face questioning from those closest to us. Will we stand up for God? Because in this world right now, if you don't stand for anything, you will fall for everything. You will hear all kinds of truths coming out. Will you stand for God? And this was what the church of Smyrna was being encouraged. Will you stand? Church of Smyrna believers, would you stand? Two things that Jesus told His church to do in the face of oppression and opposition and the things that we can apply for ourselves as well. The first thing is this. In the face of opposition and oppression, we need to fight fear. Fight fear. Because Jesus told the believers in this church, do not fear. Do not fear. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says this. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you and with I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In the face of opposition and oppression, when we are going through persecution, when we are facing poverty and uncertainty, it is very normal to fear. But fear, get this my friends, fear is not everything. There is something greater. There is a choice to be made because courage, which is the opposite of fear, is not the absence of fear but the overcoming of it. We can choose courage. We can choose to believe that God, you have a plan. God, you are going to see me through this. God, I look to you. Because fear it has a very big shadow, but in itself, it's very, very small. It's tiny. You know the, the word fear, F-E-A-R. It could be, it, it, it could be something that's gripping us. It could be something that's holding us. But this day, let's overcome fear. There are many, many messages, many, many encouragements, even from this pulpit, even from this church, to encourage us on how to overcome fear. But can I encourage you, whatever situation you are facing, fight fear. Fight fear. The second thing is this. In the face of oppression and opposition, we need to find faith. We need to find faith. Here Jesus tells the church in Smyrna, be continue to be faithful. Keep on keeping on. Press on. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says this, for we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. You know the thing about faith or the lack of faith? It's not a problem of belief. It's a problem of vision. What are we looking at? What are we looking to? Because we know that God is able. We know that God is mighty. We know that God is capable. We know that God is strong. But when we are faced with an opposition, when we are faced with troubles, what happens is we take our eyes off God and now we start looking at our circumstance, our situation and our problems. That's what the church of Smyrna could easily do. They could 
take their eyes off God and they could look at how they were persecuted, how they were poor, and how they were going to be risked uh, imprisonment. That's what Watchman Nee could have done. He could have looked at how I'm stuck in this cell. What am I doing? But at all times, what did they choose to do? Instead, they looked to God. When you, Jesus said this in the Bible, that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell the mountain to throw itself into the sea. The problem is that sometimes we look at the mountain and we get overwhelmed, but we forget that God is telling us or has told us that we can be overcomers in Him. What are we looking to? Don't look to your circumstance. Look to God. Psalm 121 verse 1 and 6 itself says this, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And at the end of this letter, Jesus promises the believers in Smyrna two things. The crown of life and to be spared the second death. The crown of life and to be spared the second death. What is the crown of life? Philippians 3.14, Paul says this, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, the Christian faith, the Christian life is a marathon. It is not a sprint. It is a long journey, the long game. It is not a thing that you just do for a while. It's not just a short burst that you need to cover. No, it is a journey, a long game, a race that we run for the long haul. And the key is this, to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because the Bible says, Blessed is those who endure to the end, for they shall be saved and they shall receive the crown of life. That is one of the greatest hopes or greatest promises for a Christian, that the life that we live here is not the end. It is not all there is. You could be suffering in this life. You could feel like you've been dealt a bunch of injustices and that your life is unfair. But guess what? Now, I'm not saying this to kind of like downplay what you're going through, but I'm telling you this as a promise and as a belief and as a perspective that we need to have. God says, that this life is only temporary. At the end of this life, you can have victory and you can have triumph if you continue to keep on keeping on. You will get the crown of life. That is a promise that God gives. And God also says, Jesus promises the believers in Smyrna who are going through so many things, martyrdom, I was actually researching and I found out that one of the early church fathers by the name of Polycarp, he was actually martyred at the age of 86 years old. He was getting burned at the stake in the city of Smyrna because he did not want to bow down to the Roman emperors. And when they were burning, when they were, when they was, and they, when they were burning him at the stake, he actually was not... Uh, he, they couldn't kill him off just yet or he didn't die as fast as they wanted to. So they had to take a spear to stab him. What a brutal death. The only two, the, the two worst ways to die is to get buried alive and burnt alive. But yet in the face of this, Polycarp did not bow down. It's kind of like 
what, it's kind of like a story in the book of Daniel where, where you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, before they were thrown into the fire, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, our Lord can and surely will save us, but even if He does not, we will not bow down. Wow. I, I don't know whether I've achieved that kind of levels of faith, but I want to have, I want to grow in that. No matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, I will not bow down. I will not lose heart. I will keep on keeping on and I will get the crown of life and I'll be spared the second death. You know what the second death is? Revelation 21 verse 8 says this, cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. It may seem like a very alien concept. Second death, what is that? But let me tell you, this proves to me that what we do on this earth, how we live out our faith, how we handle challenges has repercussions in eternity and beyond. This day, will you choose to hold on? This day, will you choose to find faith and fight fear even in the midst of of the pandemic because I am very certain to all those listening here, we can't have had it as bad as what happened in the city of Smyrna. We couldn't have it, had it as worse. But even if we did, will we not look to our circumstances but will we look to God? Amen? Amen. Oh, I feel like it's time now to respond. This message may not have been so palatable or this message may not have been to be the most uplifting. But here's the thing. The Word of God tells us, the Word of God is, is applicable. And for me, I want to preach what's real. I want to bring the reality of life. And life is hard. But I also want to bring to you the reality of God. Life may be hard, but God is great. God has a plan. God can deliver. And even if He does not, He has a purpose for our pain, reason for our season. And let's choose to look to Him this day as the encouragements given in this letter to the church. Let's take that encouragement for ourselves. Come on, let's worship Him right now in response. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, as we close, I want to bring this encouragement to us. And I've taken this from also this letter to the believers in Smyrna. In suffering, let's remember these things. Jesus is the ultimate victor. Suffering is the ultimate test, but Satan is the ultimate enemy. However, trust is the ultimate solution. And finally, eternal life is the eternal, is the ultimate reward. Whatever that you are going through, why don't you trust God? Let me pray for each and every one of us tuning in today. Maybe you are going through or you have gone through some moments where you have been persecuted by even those closest to you. Maybe a family member has spoken ill of you or your family has even rejected you and you are so heartbroken. Can I say, bring that to God. God can 
turn the situation around. He can turn the test into a testimony. But ultimately, whatever it is, we don't look to the result, we look to our God. Let's trust Him. Some of us, maybe we're going through some financial hard times. We have been we've been stricken by that but I want to I want to tell you that God knows what it is to be in lack but He's a God that cares for us sympathizes with us and He will provide for us He will provide the key is will we continue looking to Him thank you Jesus come on let's pray right now Father I want to pray for every single person listening to this message Lord you know some of how some of us how we go through different pressures and persecutions whether it's from our loved ones our colleagues friends, family Father I pray that you will give us the boldness and the tenacity and the perseverance to live out our faith full of conviction that we will not back down we will not back down we will continue standing firm for you and we will know that we will see the great hand of the Lord in our lives Father, I also want to pray for those who are struggling in, with lack. For those of us who maybe have been hit by this pandemic or whatever crisis that come, has come upon us. Lord, You know what it is. But this day, Father, we want to trust that You are Christ over the crisis. That You can provide for us. So I pray for every single person right now who is struggling. Every family who is struggling. Will You help them? Will You deliver them? Will You minister to them? Will you cause them to know that you, God, are watching over them. We thank you for this message and may we, as people of God, continue to fight fear and find faith even in the most impossible of situations. We thank you, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a message that perhaps applies to many of us because we are living in hard times. If you would like to talk to someone and someone to pray along with you, could you do me a favor and go now to this link? If you go to this link, you'll be led to a, a site or a place where people will be there to pray with you, talk to you and minister to you. We want to stand with you in prayer. So go to this link. Also, if you are tuning in and you have not yet part of any church and you are not part of uh, you're looking to be a part of one can I encourage you don't just listen to sermons online don't just go to church be a part of one be a part of a community right now there's going to be this link you can go into it and you can find out how you can stay connected or how you can get connected to a bunch of people whether you are a youth whether you are a adult or whether you are someone who's older doesn't matter we have something for everyone encourage you to get connected well God bless you I hope you got something out of the message today I hope it speaks to you and I hope it nourishes you and encourages you God bless you see you again take care bye bye